Welcome to Mrs. Cornaby Reads Out of My Mind, Chapter 13. Setting my timer for 15 minutes right now. Give me a second. Um, anyway, uh, the last episode we read the rest of Chapter 11 and all of 12. And in Chapter 12, we talked about uh, Melody being included in more of her fifth grade classes and how fun she was liking it. We also talked about some of her teachers, in particular, Mr. Dimming, who teaches the history class, and they mentioned he also runs the quiz team. That will become important in the next part of the book. (laughs) Anyway, chapter 13. Penny, no, Mrs. V calls out. Dragging Doodle behind her, Penny has scooted out of Mrs. V's front door and is halfway down the ramp from her porch, shouting bye-bye from under her green baseball cap. Butterscotch, at home in our backyard, would be having a doggy fit if she could see Penny trying to bolt. It's one of those early November days that an artist would love. Red bronze leaves, bright gold sunlight, leftover summer. I don't blame Penny for trying to bolt. Mrs. V scoops her up and brings her back in the house. Go and work, Penny pouts. Not today, honey buns, Mrs. V says firmly as she locks the front door. Penny loves wearing hats and playing dress up. Mom rarely buys fancy church lady hats for herself, but for Penny, she'll sometimes pick out a crazy looking straw hat with bows and ribbons and bring it home. At home, Penny spends a crazy amount of time in front of the hall mirror with a couple of mom's plastic necklaces hanging down almost to her shoes, a purse on each arm, and a hat tilted sideways on her head. Gotta go work, she'll say with one hand on her hip. Who has she ever seen dressed like that going to work? Mom asks as we all crack up. She's only two. I'm not going to be able to afford the kid when she's old enough to go shopping on her own, Dad always says. He snaps every cute pose she makes with his cell phone camera. When Mrs. V sets Penny back down, Penny pokes her lips out, throws Doodle on the floor, and wraps both her arms around her chest. I laugh. I wish I had enough coordination to have attitude. Here, Penny, why don't you just sit down and draw me a picture instead, Mrs. V says, whipping out a box of crayons. Attitude forgotten, Penny grabs a handful and promptly begins to scribble all over the coloring book, as well as Mrs. V's table. I wish I could use crayons. I'd draw a rose with a velvety red bloom and a green stem and yellow-green leaves coming from it. I can see it so clearly in my mind, but, of course, when I put a pencil or crayon in my stupid, tight little fingers, all I can manage are squiggly lines, nothing that looks even close to a rose. I want to draw it for a rose. She has rose designs on her notebooks and book bag. I don't know where her mother finds such cool stuff. Rose's name really fits her. She's pretty and delicate and nice to be around. If she has thorns like real roses do, I've never noticed. While Penny is busy with her crayons, Mrs. V checks her mail. She opens several envelopes and then gasps with surprise. Guess what, girls? She exclaims. I've won a contest. I look at her with interest. Penny continues to scribble, ignoring both of us. I entered an essay contest at the bookstore in the mall, she explains to me. The topic was why fish are important in our world ecology. I point to food on my board and smirk. No, silly, she reaches over and tickles me. I wrote something about oceans and the balance of nature. I don't honestly remember what I said. But I won first prize, a trip for six to the new downtown aquarium. All expenses paid. Stupendous.
I've seen the commercials on television for the aquarium. It's supposed to have sharks and turtles and penguins and a million other sea animals. Go, I ask by pointing on my board. Well, besides me, I don't know who else to take, she says, scratching her head and grinning. I kick my foot straps loose. Me, me, I want to scream. Instead, I point to myself. Hmm, who could I take? Mrs. V teases, looking around the kitchen. I can tell she's trying hard not to laugh. Me, me, I jab. Well, of course I'll take you, Mellow Yellow, Mrs. V says, smiling. Just think of all the new words we'll gather. I'm going to write down the names of every single fish for you to learn. I slap my head, pretending to be upset. So if I take you and Penny, your mom and dad and me, that's five. I wonder who else we could take. She scrunches up her face, thinking, I know, immediately. Rose could go with us. I spell out her name, R-O-S-E, and again, R-O-S-E. Then I hit, please. Hmm, your friend Rose from school? I buck and kick with excitement. I think that's a great idea, Melody. I'll ask your parents and her parents, and if she's willing, we'll have a wonderful day. I can't stop kicking my feet. It takes several weeks before both mom and dad are off work on a Saturday, but Thanksgiving weekend ends up working out for everybody. I have trouble sleeping the night before. Rose's parents seem really nice from what I could tell by listening to mom's end of the conversation. I couldn't believe Rose wanted to come. She wanted to come with me, the kid in the chair. At Rose whisper, at school, Rose whispered with me about the trip, just like I'd seen other kids do when they have secrets. I felt like a real girl. Now that the Saturday is finally here, we all pile into our SUV early in the morning. Even though the weather has turned pretty chilly, I make sure Mom put on put a really nice outfit on me. Cute jeans and no sweats. Rose hasn't said anything about what I'm wearing, but she keeps cooing over Penny. Your sister is adorable, Melody, Rose says. I smile and nod. Penny reaches out her chubby little hands and claps. Wozy, she says. I think she said my name, Rose exclaims. Your sister is not only cute, she's a genius. As we drive, Rose chatters with my parents and Mrs. V like she's known them all her life. I watch it all silently, thinking that this has to be the best day of my life. When we get to the aquarium, Dad unloads my chair and eases me into it, while Mom gets Penny's stroller out and straps her in. Rose pushes Penny as Mom pushes me so we can be side by side. The place is crowded, I guess because it's a holiday weekend. Nobody pays any attention to me, which is perfect. I can almost forget who I am. Inside, fish tanks go from floor to ceiling. I think of Ollie. He might have been happy here. In one tank, sharks swim overhead, just like we're actually looking up from the ocean floor. Okay, so Ollie might not have been so happy in that tank. I've never seen so many fish from all over the world, it seems. Fish with spikes and spots. Fish with markings so beautiful they look painted. Penny slaps at the glass whenever a fish comes close. Fishies! More fishies! Mrs. V, as promised, writes down the names of species and takes pictures so I can remember when we get back home. Mom and Dad whisper together like teenagers. I've never seen them so relaxed. We stop in front of every tank. I love the jellyfish, which reminds me of streams of shiny cloth, and the lionfish, which really do look like those like swimming lions. At the seahorse tank, Rose observes that their heads point backwards. She seems to be having a great time. Then, from around the corner, come the two people I'd least want to run into, Molly and Claire. They are with a Girl Scout troop. 
They're fake bumping into each other, not paying much attention to their group leader, who is telling them about the percentage of salt found in in ocean water. Molly and Claire, dressed exactly alike in jeans, long-sleeved t-shirts, and scout vests, look at Rose with surprise. Hey, Rose, you here with your mom? Claire asks. Uh, no, Rose says evasively, walking away from us and toward them. Your dad? Molly says, looking at me like I smell bad, and she's acting like my parents are invisible. I'm here with Melody and her family, Rose mumbles. On purpose? Claire shrieks. Both she and Molly start laughing loudly. It's not so bad, Rose says quietly, but I heard her. Mom starts to say something to the girls, but Dad takes her arm. They're children, he tells her. Let them work it out themselves. Mom has those daggers in her eyes, the sharp points. She shoots at people who say dumb things about me, but she stays quiet. Her fists are bald. Mrs. V, however, isn't going to let anybody stop her. From her almost six-foot height, she towers over Molly and Claire. You, girl with the braces on her teeth. Claire looks up at her, stunned. Yes, ma'am, Claire had sense enough to say. Why do you think your parents spent good money getting you braces? Huh? Claire looks confused. Molly has quietly disappeared into her scout troop. Your teeth were imperfect, so your parents got your braces. One day you'll thank them when you get a date for the prom, Mrs. V roars. The whole scout troop, plus a few other visitors to the aquarium, stop to listen to her. What do my teeth have to do with anything? Claire asks, looking around nervously. Some people get braces on their teeth. Some get braces on their legs. For others, braces won't work, so they need wheelchairs and walkers and such. You're a lucky girl that you only had messed up teeth. Remember that. Yes, ma'am. Claire says again. Then she hurries off to join her friends. Claire walks back to us then, a little embarrassed, I think. Claire can be clueless, she whispers to me. Yeah, think. After a few more tanks, Penny gets tired and starts to whine, so we leave the aquarium before we even get to see the penguins. We take Rose home and she thanks us properly and says she has a real good time. But did she? Chapter 14. The Monday following Thanksgiving break, Catherine and I roll into Miss Gordon's language arts class a few minutes before the bell. It doesn't look like I'll ever find out what Rose really thought about the trip to the aquarium, because she clearly has more exciting things on her mind. Everyone is huddled around her desk. Awesome! I love the color. I didn't know they came in lime green. Oh man, that's what's up. How many songs have you downloaded so far? What's your new, new email address? You got I am? Videos. That's so tight. I wish my mom would get me a laptop like that. I roll closer. Rose is showing off a brand new laptop computer. I can get on the internet and find stuff for school and type up all my homework, she's telling the group around her. I've already uploaded pictures of my dog and I've already got my own Facebook page. I just shake my head as Catherine takes me back to my usual place in the back of the room. A laptop. I'm still pointing to words and phrases that Mrs. V and my mom have taped to a board that's strapped to my wheelchair, and Rose has the internet. I guess that means the whole universe at her fingertips. I close my eyes, trying not to cry, dreaming of the perfect melody-made computer. First of all, it would talk. Oh, yes. People would have to tell me to shut up. And it would have room to store all my words, not just the most common ones that have gotten pasted on my dumb plastic board. It would have big keys so my thumbs could push the right buttons, and it would connect to my wheelchair. It would not have to be lime green. I opened my eyes with a start. 
Such a thing has to exist, right? Or something like it, maybe? I grab Catherine's arm and point to Rose's computer. Me, too. I punch on my board. I do it several times. You want a computer like Rose's? Catherine glances over at Rose's laptop. It really is nice. Even I don't have one as cool as hers. No, I point. Wait, you don't want a computer? Catherine sounds confused. I have learned to be patient with people. Once again, I point to Rose's computer and then to the words, me, too. I search all over my communication board and the words better, nicer, and cooler just aren't there. So I point to good and then go to the alphabet strip and then jab at the letters E and R. Gooder. I sound like a doofus. Oh, Catherine says finally, you want a better computer than Rose's. Yes, I pound on the board. And then I point to four and me. I get it, Catherine cried. You want something specially designed for you. Well, that's just plain brilliant, Melody. I spell spell out D-U-H and we laugh. Miss Gordon starts class then, reminding everybody about due dates for the biography project. Tomorrow, she announces, class will meet in the media center so that you can make final choices about the person you will write about. And next week, we will begin making outlines of your life stories. Any questions? Connor, always the class clown, raises his hand. I found out the guy who invented the flush toilet was named Thomas Crapper. Can I do my report on him? Kids crack up. Rodney laughs so hard his whole face turned red. Miss Gordon shushes Rodney and the others. Sorry, Connor, I get this request every year. The flush toilet was invented in 1596 by John Harrington. No funny name. Do you still want to research him? Connor looks deflated. Nah, I guess I'll stay with the folks who started McDonald's. If I've got to spend a lot of time looking up stuff, burgers are better than toilets. Rodney tries to bust out laughing again, but Miss Miss Gordon silences him with a look. Who will you choose to write about? Catherine asks me, as Miss Gordon walks around the class talking to students about their projects. And I only, I think for only a minute. S-T-E-P-H-E-N-H-A-W-K-I-N-G, I spell out. I want to know how he does ordinary stuff like eating and drinking. After all, he's a grown man. Does his wife put him on the toilet? He has kids. How does he manage to be a dad? And I want to know about his talking devices, the super cool computers that help him talk and do really hard math problems like finding black holes in space. I tap out the question for Catherine. Computer for me? I have no idea, she replies. Let's check it out. And that is the end of this episode of my podcast. We got to chapter 15 of reading Out of My Mind. Took us a little less than 15 minutes, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Next episode, we will start chapter 15 and see how far we can get. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one.